I've tried to write a novel that gives the reader scope to change opinions, change sympathies. A book that one can think and live inside. The reader may ask how to tell fact from fiction. A rough guide. Anything that seems particularly unlikely is probably true. And now, a place of greater safety. Part 1 Louis XV is named the Well-Beloved. Ten years pass. The same people believe the Well-Beloved takes baths of human blood. Avoiding Paris, ever shut up at Versailles, he finds even there too many people, too much daylight. He wants a shadowy retreat. In a year of scarcity, they were not uncommon then, he was hunting as usual in the forest of Senat. He met a peasant carrying a beer and inquired, whether he was conveying it to such a place, for a man or a woman, a man. What did he die of? Hunger. Jules Michelet. Chapter 1. Life as a Battlefield, 1763-1774. to Now that the dust has settled, we can begin to look at our situation— now that the last red tile has been laid on the roof of the new house, now that the marriage contract is four years old. The town smells of summer, not very pleasant, that is, but the same as last year, the same as the years to follow. The new house smells of resin and wax polish. It has the sulphurous odour of family quarrels brewing. Maître Demoulin's study is across the courtyard, in the old house that fronts the street, if you stand in the Place des Armes and look up at the narrow white façade, you can often see him lurking behind the shutters on the first floor. He seems to stare down into the street, but he is miles away, observers say. This is true, and his location is very precise. Mentally, he is back in Paris. Physically, at this moment, he is on his way upstairs. His three-year-old son is following him. As he expects the child to be under his feet for the next twenty years, it does not profit him to complain about this. Afternoon heat lies over the streets. The babies, Henriette and Elizabeth, are asleep in their cribs. Madeleine is insulting the laundry girl with a fluency and venom that belie her gravid state, her genteel education. He closes the door on them. As soon as he sits down at his desk, a stray Paris thought slides around his mind. This happens often. He indulges himself a little, places himself on the steps of the Châtelet Court with a hard-rung acquittal and a knot of congratulatory colleagues. He gives his colleagues names and faces. Where is Perrin this afternoon? And Vino? Now he goes up twice a year, and Vino, who used to discuss his life plan with him when they were students, had walked right past him in the Place Dauphine, not knowing him at all. That was last year, and now it is August, in the year of grace 1763. It is Guise, Picardy. He is thirty-three years old, husband, father, advocate, town councillor, official of the bailiwick a man with a large bill for a new roof. He takes out his account books. It is only two months ago that Madeleine's family came up with the final instalment of the dowry. They pretended, knowing that he could hardly disabuse them, 
that it was a kind of flattering oversight, that a man in his position with steady work coming in would hardly notice the last few hundred. This was a typical de Vieffil trick, and he could do nothing about it. They hammered him to the family mast, while, quivering with embarrassment, he handed them the nails. He'd come home from Paris at their behest to set things up for Madeleine. He hadn't known that she'd be turned thirty before her family considered his situation even halfway satisfactory. What de Vieffils do, they run things. Small towns, large legal practices. There are cousins all over the Lone District, all over Picardy. A bunch of nerveless crooks, always talking. One de Vieffil is mayor of Guise. Another is a member of that august judicial body, the Parlement of Paris. De Vieffils generally marry Goddard's.